0: Hello and welcome to the Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I'm Dana Marie Rockmore, the founder of the Dinner Party Project and co-founder of the Welcome House. I'll be inviting intriguing guests over to my home to chat about some of my favorite things, cocktails, story, the Enneagram and rest hello friends thank you for listening in once again um i'm pretty excited about this podcast for two reasons one is it is one of my all-time favorite drinks um which we'll just jump into i I made a negroni for my friend sorsha who said i've never had negroni and i said i'm sorry what uh as the negroni has become one of my absolute favorite cocktails i thought okay well this needs to happen um So I use this gin, which I really, really love if you have a chance to pick it up. It is Waterloo Antique Gin, which has been aged in whiskey barrels, and it is my go-to gin for Negroni. It is so delicious. So you just add one ounce of um, antique gin, and then you're going to add just one ounce of Campari and one ounce of Sweet Vermouth. Uh, The easiest of all cocktails, literally three things. All you have to do is put a big block of ice in a rocks glass and then you stir it up. I don't know, maybe like 30, 60 seconds. Um, and then I personally, I know this is not maybe a typical Negroni. There's usually an orange peel that you release all those beautiful essential oils and then you drop an orange orange peel into a Negroni. I like to squeeze a little extra orange in there and then I put in a big chunk just a big, yeah, a big chunk of orange that also you kind of squeeze and drop into your drink. I know this is not mind-blowing or anything new, but um, it is a drink that I uh, enjoy often, so I hope you'll enjoy it as well. And then uh, my friend today is Sorsha, and I've known her for a couple of years, and I just love the ways that she is making inroads into the arts world and um Orlando has got some incredible outlets for the arts, which I'm so proud of. And she's um, worked at a, she worked at an incredible gallery. We had a dinner party there, which was so phenomenal. It was so cool to, to be a part of that um, setting for a dinner. And then she is creating some really beautiful things for people of color in the art world. So I was really excited to be able to share her story and all that she is up to in Orlando. So I hope you'll enjoy. One, this drink, and two, uh, Sorsha's story. All right, enjoy. Hey, Sorsha. Hello. Welcome to Cocktails and Conversation Podcast. Thank you for being here. Of course, my pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. We are still social distance at this point, Mm -hmm. um, at the time of this recording. Uh, And it's crazy because right at this moment, it's about one year since we have been in this. predicament. It's wild. It's wild. Today was, is well, at the time of recording, today is the 12th of March and one year ago, March 12th was our last dinner that we had in 2020. Are you serious? Oh, wow. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. it is. Well, salute and I hope you enjoy this cocktail. Cheers. Cheers cheers mm-hmm. mm. it is this is great. So good. This is so really good. we will share full disclosure that you probably think that you have never had a Negroni before.
1: I am I am confident okay. after tasting it now that okay. I have indeed never, <laughs> never had, this had before. This. Okay.
0: Yeah. So I am so glad that I can introduce you to a Negroni because it has become one of my absolute favorite drinks and it is incredibly simple, right? It okay. is. Three ingredients slash four. Um, we used a Waterloo antique gin loving gin that has been um i don't know what the word is called Mar- marinated or <laughs> no uh, it is gin that has been put into whiskey barrels mm-hmm. and it gets all this insanely delicious flavor and it is it is my go-to gin for a negroni there's lots of different types of gins that you can use but this is the one that I find that I love the best yeah it was it was perfect
1: I was definitely a little taken off guard by Uh the color because I had
0: never seen gin that looks like a whiskey? <laughs> it does look like whiskey. whiskey. Um, and it can be substituted in for whiskey for different drinks. Ooh. That that type of gin. So it's very interesting. But it is it is smooth. It is, it is fantastic. Smooth. Yeah. So then an ounce of uh, Waterloo Antique Gin, an ounce of Campari, which is this beautiful red color. <sighs> I love Campari. And then <laughs> an ounce of sweet, ver- sweet Vermouth, which is my has become my favorite. Also, in the last three hundred sixty-five days, I've really gotten into sweet vermouth. Um, I will drink it by itself. Oh wow! Yes, with ice and then um, also a squeeze of orange. I'm gonna have to try that. Yes, it's like when I'm cooking, or just like in the evenings with dinner. Um, I don't drink wine really in that in a normal capacity, like normal humans. <laughs> but I just love. A, yeah, a sweet vermouth. I know it's not like a, it's not when you taste it by yourself. You're like, oh, this is not like uh, you wouldn't drink a whole glass of this. OK, you know? so <laughs> it's very, very sweet, obviously. Um, anyway, we are also uh, drinking this Negroni with a lot of orange because I just love fresh orange and I had fresh orange. So I squeezed a little extra in there and then I put a huge chunk. Just I know this is not uh kosher or like the normal way of making a negroni but i just cut a big chunk of it and then i squeeze it we squeeze it and we just dropped it in there instead of an orange peel that is usually the way a negroni is made
1: i'm telling you the florida girl in me is is loving
0: the huge chunk of orange like
1: you know Mm -hmm. you can't go wrong Mm -hmm. with having a little bit of real fruit juice in there
0: (laughs) and then you just put a big block of ice and then you stir it up and that's it Perfect. And it's pretty delish. So speaking of cocktails, one of my favorite subjects, mm-hmm. what is a favorite cocktail of yours? Like a go-to drink that you kind of is always like a, is always going to hit the mark for you.
1: So I am—I'm a very lazy cocktail maker.
0: Okay, Um, like a home bartender. Very, very lazy
1: home bartender. Um, I am somebody who does love wine, so that's usually like my go-to drink. drink. Yeah, Um, but you know, to drink anytime I am, you know, not having a glass of red wine Mm -hmm. and want something different, um, I have definitely been known to put a little gin gimlet type drink together, yes. which, again, Yum. very simple. Mm-hmm. I think it only has, like, really two parts, just the gin and the simple syrup and
0: some lime. lime. And cucumber. Yeah. yeah. And that, yeah. that's
1: pretty much it. That's, okay. like, my go-to kind of very two-part, easy-peasy cocktail. Mm-hmm. can always pretty much have those ingredients on hand.
0: Mm-hmm. Um is okay, it is
1: quite delicious. See, and then yes. where, where do we debate on what makes up a cocktail? Is it like a part component? Because I could like make the argument that whiskey
0: on the rocks is also a cocktail in my mind. <laughs> it is a drink. I know. It is. It is whiskey on the rocks and it's delicious. So that would be my yeah. other, you know,
1: cocktail of choice that probably would not classify. As a cocktail to anybody at all but,
0: but myself. That's, that's a go-to drink and that's something that you love. What is a preferred uh, whiskey on the rocks for you?
1: I really do love Woodford whiskey. Oh, I just like i same I love it. I'm not too much like a whiskey neat girl, but that is definitely one of the whiskeys that I could drink neat. Okay. Um, but I just love it on some
0: some ice. It's really good. I love to hear it. Mm-hmm. I love to hear it. Okay. So around town This town What what would be like Two or three places That you Like to frequent To grab a drink When you're not making them At home Doing your Go-to wine Mm. Or gimlet
1: I mean I really do Love I mean, I, I love the guest house. I think the guest house has like a nice variety of cocktails. Mm-hmm. Depending on who you get to make the drinks, they can kind of be, a little on the stronger side, a little on the weaker side. So okay. there's a little inconsistency there. But again, it's it's more they have a really nice collection of liquors, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the atmosphere is just is so nice. And then, truthfully, Little Lindy's for me, yes is 100%. it's just again for the people who know you know it's no, like it's lovely a great place great they cocktails always have like the best cocktails yeah. ever they know exactly what they're doing I have never and they you know they change up their their list of like different cocktails that mm-hmm. they give you they can make you a classic drink they can make you something new that they've kind of just created never very bad very in,
0: very inventive yeah yes
1: never a bad experience never. that would be my go-to for anybody who is like visiting me or visiting the orlando
0: area yes go there you won't be sorry okay i think that that's actually yes absolutely Little indies is so lovely it's and i like both guest house and the indies have great outdoor spaces they do which is where i will enjoy a cocktail
1: and definitely little indies because it's it's small it's tiny
0: in there. Yeah. Yeah. Inside, it's tiny. You but go I mean, in with your mask on, order, and then there's and then plenty of seating outside. Tons of seating outside. I know. Yeah. It's a good time. Which is like what we look for right now. <laughs> <laughs> what we need, need to feel comfortable can now. We grab a drink outside? <laughs> That's it, right? Yeah.
1: Like, the best pastime I think of, like, living in Florida is doing whatever activity you can outside.
0: We've got limited, our countdown is on because summer is coming. It is. Kind of like winter is coming. Yeah. For any I guess game, <laughs> I have not, I'm not a Game of Thrones human. <gasps> oh my god, me neither. Okay. I, I. But I do know winter is coming yeah i always feel like summer is coming always and i'm like uh.
1: has it ever really left us
0: Ugh. like uh, so i mean we've had, we had some, a couple of weeks we've had some coldness we've had a couple of year. weeks yeah. yeah we we and right now it's like perfect. perfect it is Pretty. great yeah oh walks it walks in the evening oh this is ideal literally weather. mm-hmm oh but winter, I mean, summer is coming. Yeah. So until then, we will enjoy it and we will enjoy outside drinks. Mm-hmm. And then maybe by summertime, we'll be in a great place to dine indoors. That is the hope, is right? The hope. We can be indoors AC blasting because, again, that's, that's the Florida way. And yeah. Or I will be home making my own drinks in my own air conditioning. And trust me, I'm I am gonna... not about sweating outside. Oh, no. Absolutely.
1: Not a cute look.
0: Mm. (laughs) Not a cute look for anybody. (laughs) So I was trying to think about like how we met initially. It was a couple years ago. Um, I think through the gallery. I, yes, I would say through the gallery.
1: I want to say that when I met you, it was literally either a week or a few days before you were like on your way to New York really i want to say like it was you had your white like jeep and you had it all packed up and you were like i am hitting the road oh and i think i want to say it was like maybe like a week or a few days okay before that is when i when i first
0: like initially met you face to face yeah so that would have been my road trip in 2018 Yeah, which was June. Well, I left June first, so I would have met you in May. That that clocks because that's like
1: really that was like the beginning of um, my time working at the
0: gallery. Okay, 2018. Yeah, and that was it. Okay, (laughs) that's wild. I wish that I could go on that trip again. It was so great. You were ready. You were literally like, everything's packed up. I'm out of here. And I was just I like, was oh my gosh. Ready. So exciting. 2018 was uh, probably, well, definitely the worst year of my life. Oh, well, gosh. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Oh, gosh. So grateful for that road trip. Yeah. Um, in that time. Yeah, for sure. So. Um, my, my dad passed away oh my gosh, in so um, May oh my God. of 2018. So then I got to go on a road trip to get to, out of, to get out, out of town, town clear head. and to, to have some time to decompress. And so that was why, I mean, part of the reason why, I mean, I always love a road trip for sure. Yeah. But anyway, that was why I was definitely ready to get on the road, wow. get out of here. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad you did. Wild times. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it was, it, was, it was interesting because I was like, 2020 wasn't even as bad, obviously as 2018. And yeah. Like, Nothing will ever <laughs> obviously touch that. Absolutely. In, in no, that absolutely regard. not. Um, anyway, so as we are talking about story, I would love to hear some of your story yeah. and just about, you know, we don't really choose where we get placed in the universe and the family of origin that we get to be a part of Mm -hmm. and just life just places us here and then we're trying to figure it out as we go and it's often a mess and and bumps and beautiful surprises and life is beautiful in that way um but i would love to hear a little bit from you just kind of like where you started out your life and Mm -hmm. your family of origin and you know, if you have any siblings and kind of like what the vibe and the feel from your kind of like childhood home, kind of what, what did that feel like? And where were you placed on this earth?
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, um, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida originally. So not too far from Orlando about Two hours north of here. Yep. Um, so I have been unbelievably blessed and fortunate to have uh, really great parents, who definitely made a lot of sacrifices for for me and my siblings. I have two older brothers, so um, I am I'm the third and the baby of the family. Um, one of my brothers lives in Georgia. The other one is in the Air Force, and he's currently in Guam right now. Hey. um, so yeah, my wow. parents are just absolutely adorable they um they met when they were teenagers, and high school sweethearts. High school sweethearts what? who were together like, like nonstop. Um, my dad's in the navy, so he actually did travel a lot of my childhood. So I don't have too many concrete memories of him until probably like nine or ten, because um, that's when he retired. So that's whenever he was, like, actually kind of here and not going to different states, different countries for for his job. OK. But, you know, all the memories that I do have of him truthfully come from, like, photos of, you know, being able to see him holding me as a child and then, you know, talking about, like, where we were, Mm -hmm. um, the, the gathering we were at. So, you know, he was as involved as he, as he could definitely be, but being like the the breadwinner of the family, it was a little difficult for him to be able to, you know, be consistently there because his work kind of demanded him to be other places. Um, it's tough, but they were they They are, they are fantastic. Um, parents, they've always been really supportive. I, you know, didn't really know where i was going yeah. in life didn't really know like what i wanted to do mm-hmm. um a lot of that i guess i could just like attribute to maybe being the the third child so not really like uh, you know you've you've been there you've done that like you you know the i feel like the The later that you are in life when it comes to like your siblings, like if you're not the firstborn or maybe Mm -hmm. the second, you're like starting to be the third, you get less baby pictures, less people are as like, you know, attuned to what's going on. You kind of just fall into the routine of
0: just going to school and and doing whatever. Um, You're kind of entering a life that is already in motion. Right. A family unit that is already...
1: Exactly. It's like, you know, we're not going to hone in and focus too much attention on one individual (laughs) child. We have like three. So you guys can kind of, you know, learn amongst yourselves, (laughs) learn amongst your family, your cousins, your Mm -hmm. friends. So... It was it was both great and a little kind of unsettling for me because it was just not really knowing um, like really the direction that I wanted to go in. So Mm -hmm. whenever I actually went to college, I was kind of just like aimlessly like kind of hanging around, didn't really have like a clear path that I wanted to go in. And as many people do when they don't really have a path that they want to go in, um, they kind of just let things fall to the wayside yeah and so what really kind of shook me into like you need to focus up and pay attention is getting on academic probation and actually almost getting kicked out
0: of college okay um so before college just back up a little bit like mm -hmm. who was Sorsha in like middle school high school middle school and high school Sorsha was very creative
1: um i was that kid in like middle school who kind of started like um like a recycling club cool where i very just cool. like got my friends and yes. we were going to just like pick up any like recycled like trash or anything like on our recess break mm-hmm. and you know i put together these little tiny like little like notebook paper like petitions and and gave them to my friends to like join. Um, And high school definitely leaned more towards like the... Music. That's when I actually started because of my older brothers, I started to follow a little bit more of what they were doing. Mm. Um, Sure. I don't know really why I did that, but um, yeah. So like my older brothers were into chorus. So I started getting into chorus and I was just somebody at that point who was kind of just like consumed with their friends. So any opportunity to kind of get out there and see the world and change up perspectives, like experience different cultures, like all of that um, was kind of surrounded by my my friend group at that time.
0: Okay. And then how did that move you into high school? How did you show up in high school? I showed up in high school with,
1: you're the little sister of this person. (laughs) So that kind of like, again, for the people who knew like my older brother kind of made people look at me as like, Hey, are you going to be like what he was? And I definitely wasn't. My brother was like, like high school prom King and he played football and he was just like, he did theater. So he was kind of like the big man on campus. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wanted to be anything but that. So I, I definitely, had my moments of like, oh, I think I want to do like cheerleading or dance club. And then I would quickly just like shy away from, Mm -hmm. from that attention and from those connections. And I just said like, no. Okay. So like, I definitely wasn't popular. I definitely wasn't unpopular. I guess, I guess unpopular in the sense of I, I didn't really care about that type of stuff. Like the only thing that I cared about were like my friends. Sure. So I definitely would not say that I'm a popular person, a popular kid in high school in the slightest. <laughs>
0: in the <laughs> slightest. <laughs> you were just doing you. I was
1: kind of doing me in you're high school. Of, you know, you're kind of like in your own little bubble. So like sure. outside of knowing that I'm not a popular kid, I didn't know how like anybody in high school saw me. I didn't. Mm. They probably didn't, to be completely honest.
0: And that was your vibe. Yeah. That was, yeah. Yeah. Kind of like somebody who flew under the radar for like did most of her life. Did you enjoy school or did you like, was it like annoying, annoyance to you?
1: Uh, I wouldn't go as far as like an annoyance, but it was definitely something that I feel like just was a responsibility because of my parents mm-hmm. kind of really instilling in us all how important education is. Mm-hmm. My mom is, you know, somebody who graduated from college, got her master's degree, and then on the opposite side, my dad didn't graduate from college. Or didn't grad he didn't graduate from high school. So um she had both her and my dad kind of like collectively mm-hmm. wanted to instill that like education was like the main priority for me and my brothers. Like mm-hmm. that was it. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't care if they had to like take a second mortgage out on the house in order for us to go to college. That was uh, something that was really important for them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So when my older brother well, my oldest brother plugged out of college and my other older brother decided that college wasn't really his bag either. Did you feel pressure? I felt a little pressure just because I am definitely more of a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. So I wanted my parents who in my eyes had kind of worked so hard and definitely didn't have the same types of opportunities Mm -hmm. (laughs) at like least be able to get like, hey, this like landed with so <laughs> one of our kids. Three. Exactly. <laughs> so like, you know, the least I can do is give them this which seems so important to them. Sure.
0: So then you transitioned through college, mm-hmm. which was uh touch and go maybe touch and go for the first two years okay and then that kind
1: of like that shake of how did that shift um just the the fear that I would kind of follow in my older brother's footsteps of being kind of kicked out of college okay and at that time because he's five years older than me so when he was in college I was still um was that maybe just about to start high school Sure. So for uh, uh, like knowing kind of like the I guess the only way to really say it, and I I don't even know if this is accurate, because obviously I'm I'm not my parents. I don't know if they felt a level of disappointment, but, you know, I definitely know that they probably weren't pleased (laughs) at the fact that he, you know, was kicked out of college. So. Yeah, for, for me, not wanting to have to, like, uh, make them go through something mm-hmm. like that again, um, really kind of, like, turned a light switch on in my head that, like, you need to, you need to get actually, serious. like, get serious about this. Yeah. Put in an effort. Um, it literally is just, like, two years of your life. Mm. You can get a degree and that would make them happy and ultimately like make you happy. If you want to like do something and you don't know what it is, this is a place where you figure that out.
0: And so you said that you kind of didn't have a real kind of direction or real goal in mind. It was just like, because when I started college, I, I was in, this, in the same way. I was just mm-hmm. like, well, I don't even know where one end up. But I, for me, I was like, I can feel like a college degree will probably help me get to that place. So it's just starting. You have to take all your gen eds anyway, mm-hmm. and then I have a degree that technically I don't really use. But it's <laughs> a lot of people. I feel yeah. But I yeah. For me, I felt like college did teach me a lot of work ethic Mm. and a lot of like you, I had to do things in a specific way and I had to be able to, to turn things on time and taught me responsibility. And it taught me like, um, having to not like measure up, but like do a good job to pass or, or to do well. If I wanted to do well, it really gave me that, um, framework to learn in and grow in. Oh yeah. And and then I kind of was like, well, okay, well I've learned some things and then kind of life took a different direction for me. But like after college, where did that kind of, I know that you're now, um, very passionate about the arts. And so how did that lead into your passion for working in the arts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, after that kind of, like, shaken reality of, like, you need to, like, get yourself together, um, it then became, like, my mission to figure out, like, okay, well, what is it that I'm actually interested in? Mm-hmm. So, you know, for a time, I was uh log- was law? on the like law was yeah yeah big eyes shocked about that one because <laughs> I, I I myself didn't really know um, where that came from but that was um, a path I was on for a little bit then okay. history and history actually became kind of like the bridge to where I am That's today true. yeah because. Being a history major, you have like all of your actual like courses towards your major and then you have some elective courses that you can take as well. And one of them was art history. Mm-hmm. And so I took this art history class and I just I fell in love with it. It was like all the things that I was kind of intrigued about, about history, which was kind of uncovering different cultures and kind of seeing Mm -hmm. what their day-to-day experiences and like anthropology. Yeah. Like almost in like an anthropological type of way. And then, but being able to kind of like see all of that through actual artifacts Mm -hmm. or through paintings was extremely um, intriguing to me. Mm -hmm. So after that one class, you know, I went to my guidance counselor and I was just like, this is something that I can major in. And she's like, Oh my God, you are so dumb. Yes. <laughs> like, this is something that you can do. Right. So, um, so yeah, after that, like switched my major, um, at the time, back in, back in my day, it was called, um, History of criticism of the arts. I know very, 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 that's very, very historic. Um, I feel like now it's just called art history, um, but that's what they were calling it, and and I just. Um, was really, really loving that, that path that was on. And I was able to not only explore architecture, I was able to explore paintings. I was able to explore, you know, art before and after 1940. And Mm -hmm. it was just something that really, um, always felt like, right. Once I was like in that environment of like learning and Mm -hmm. educating myself, which, it, again, it's like one of those like cliche things to say, but like when you do find something that you're really passionate about, mm-hmm. it then becomes not so much of a struggle to get you interested in completing those assignments and getting things on, in on time, because from going to academic probation, I graduated like on the dean's list. So it was like mm-hmm. a very night and day mm-hmm. type um situation. Where your parents like, who is this girl? They really were. <laughs> they really were just like, what is Are you okay? what is happening? Right. I mean, they were happy. I'm sure they were delighted. They were. I think they were happy that I I found something that I was passionate about, but I think they were also fearful at least for my mom I know that she was fearful and like what is that what type of career are you gonna get with that like I don't understand it and I was like I don't really understand it either but um yeah they were they were very happy very very happy sure and you know truthfully a lot of my happiness came from being able to make them happy Mm -hmm. um but then also just within myself, I'm glad that I was able to accomplish this goal because, you know, later in looking into really having conversations with like people in my family at the time, I didn't really take into account how maybe difficult or how many opportunities like that don't really happen for a lot of people like me. So like hmm. black people people in general mm. and i really did kind of like um take the overall experience i don't think i really thought about that during the entire process and like not until years after that mm-hmm. i even think about like that actually being more what my parents were probably wanting for me
0: so how from from there like you had a spark kind of lit within you mm-hmm. and then um moving towards kind of a career in art how did that kind of flesh out
1: So when I was there getting my degree it kind of only gave you from my uh, like perspective of my educators it really only looked like you had two paths to take whenever it came to a degree in our history Mm -hmm. like you could either be a professor Mm -hmm. which I absolutely hated the idea of because I just could not stand to be a teacher I do not have the patience at all right um or the other path which was going to be more so along the line of kind of like your 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 gallery type world, um, which truthfully at the time, none of them really seemed appealing to me at all. It didn't really look like I had a lot of opportunity to go like in a specific path or like what I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the unfortunate things about that degree, at least during the time that I was in it, was that you didn't really know all of the different opportunities that were available to somebody with an art history degree. So for me, you know, I tried. I had to stay in my college town for as long as I could. And um, when that didn't happen, I had to, you know, lower my head and go back home. Mm-hmm. Um, but there they had like a, a local art gallery. Mm-hmm. And I literally just walked into these places with my resume and I'm just like, Hey, Mm. I am like fresh out of college. I don't care if I'm just like sweeping up the floors, floors, like readjusting labels, like cleaning windows. Like I really don't care, but like, I I just really want to make this like mean something. And I, I really like at that point had nothing, but like what I was taught in textbooks, like no real world life experience of like the dynamics of uh, a gallery, the dynamics of any type of institution. Mm -hmm. So I was like eager to learn. Um, So that's kind of like what got me into my first gallery. And I was the assistant to the director how did you land in Orlando, Florida? Ooh, that's a story. So I—that's uh, a world of story. I, um, the gallery that I worked at there in Jacksonville, like I was there up until. I would guess, like, what we would call, like, our, our depression, like, our actual depression. So in, like in 2008? Yeah, like, okay. the 2008 depression. Yep. Um, so, at that time, tons of places were closing. Um, my gallery didn't close at that time, but it definitely had to tighten its, like, you know, drawstrings a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, I was basically out of a job and at that time I was like okay what can I do and I decided this would be a perfect time to enroll in grad school and go to Savannah College of Art and Design which is what I did. You went to SCAD? I did in Iguana. How did I miss that? It was probably because I have like PTSD about it. I did do not. <laughs> I am not. In, and again, I have a lot of friends who have like gone for their PhD and have gone for their MD, uh-huh. um, their master's. I am not a huge fan of okay. like the master's program or the doctorate program. However, everybody do whatever they need to do in order to get to the places they want to get to. Um, but yeah, so I, I landed in Atlanta. OK. And I was there going to school and I. um was working then at a small art consulting company. Okay. And I actually met in Atlanta who would be I would say a year and a half later my boss here in Orlando. Okay. So he was on a business trip and I think he reached out to me through LinkedIn, okay? And basically asked if we could go like get a coffee. And we got a coffee. He told me about his company here in Orlando. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know, thanks, but no thanks. I'm never leaving Atlanta, Georgia.
0: <laughs> 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 and then, and then and I, the irony. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Whew, back in the day, I'll tell you what. Right. Um, so, yeah, then after, um, again, the, the boutique firm that I was with, they had to kind of tighten their swings as well, which took my full time position to a part-time position in Atlanta In Atlanta. And it was extremely difficult for me to try and go back to, let's say like being a waitress for two days a week and then working here for three days. And I was like, I don't want that. I want, you know, if I have to work two jobs, I want them both to be like within the arts industry. And that just wasn't available to me. Hmm. So, you know, I had to kind of moved back and was able to take him up on that offer, which was really, really great because one, um, at that time I was looking you know, at student loans and my parents at that time had moved to Guantanamo. So I didn't really have <laughs> a place to stay. <laughs> so that was, yeah, that was a, a blessing in disguise.
0: Right. This episode of Cocktails and Conversation is brought to you by The Dinner Party Project. The Dinner Party Project is all about connecting humans around the dinner table. Right now, we are mostly based in Orlando, Florida. Whether it's joining seven strangers in an intimate setting around a dinner table, or sitting in the street of Orange Avenue with 100 others watching flamethrowers, we love helping people feel connected to others and their city. We also offer private parties, so if you have a birthday, anniversary, team building dinner, or corporate event coming up, We can create a custom, memorable event that you and your guests won't soon forget. We also help brands connect with their consumers by exposing their product in an elevated way to their target demographic. So if you live in the Orlando area, haven't joined us yet, what are you waiting for? We can't wait to hear your story around the dinner table. For more information, you can visit us at thedinnerpartyproject.co. It's crazy mm-hmm. as we move into our careers and adulthood and we get to choose what we want to move towards and life happens to us and we make decisions and all the things. But has there ever been a time that um, you've looked back and been like really proud of like something that you have done or? I mean, I was
1: really proud. I would say probably my proudest. Um you know, like in my professional career, I think whenever I was the gallery director at, at Axiom here, Mm -hmm. that had been, um, a lifelong goal of mine to be able to be in a position like that because I had not been exposed to artwork and I had not really seen people like myself, um, in those types of positions. Mm. And, you know, I will have to say that a lot of that is, you know, just not being able to access like New York's and your Chicago's and your LA's and being able to kind of see like the wide breadth of people who are working in this industry. But from what I could, you know, find via in person or find on the internet, I didn't really see a lot of black people within positions like this. So the gallery that I worked at, it had like completely like a glass front. So people could kind of see through it and see directly (laughs) in at you. And I think like one of um, my proudest moments there was uh, a guy who was walking with his like small like daughter and it was a black family and they came in mm-hmm. and he was just like, she just never, one has seen somebody like you in a gallery before. Um, and we just kind of wanted to see like one, what I, what is doing. I mean, you could see that I was like at a computer working, right. but the fact that like them seeing me with my, big fro at the time (laughs) like you know working behind a a desk in a gallery and you know being able to kind of have like that brief conversation with them made me really proud as like being somebody who is representing the Mm -hmm. fact that like we are in these spaces, and that this is something that you should be comfortable seeing, mm-hmm. and something that you can also kind of, you know, not saying that that little girl is going to want to be a, a gallery director or or anything, mm-hmm. but it kind of harkens back to that. You don't know what you're able to achieve if you don't see it. A lot of it is like mm. visual. Like you don't know that these it's spaces so can like exist for you. Mm-hmm. You got to help curate some of those shows Absolutely That was again It was so rewarding Mm -hmm. And I will Forever be thankful to, you know, my former boss for giving me that opportunity Mm -hmm. to be able to, you know, trust me in that space. And then the artists that I've had, like the privilege of working with the fact that they were so trusting of me Mm -hmm. to really be able to, you know, represent their work and their voices in like an authentic way without it being, you know, muted or whitewashed or misinterpreted mm-hmm. um will forever be something that i am like forever grateful
0: and you got to host a cool dinner party there
1: i mean let's <laughs> just talk about that so one of the things that i i wanted to do i knew that like going into you know being a director having worked with some amazing and i mean under some amazing um role models, um, male, female, who've worked at institutions like museums, who've worked at galleries, Um, even whenever I was like a docent at the High Museum in Atlanta, like these people who have dedicated their lives to kind of, you know, being able to access artwork, they do such a fantastic job. And... Being able to work in all of these kind of dip- different atmospheres really kind of left me with a couple of things that I wanted to see within my gallery. Mm. So one of them was to kind of break down that stigma that a lot of people have when they're talking about fine art or whenever they're experiencing fine art. And a lot of it has Mm. to do with this like intimidation factor. So for me, I wanted to make it less intimidating for people to walk into a gallery space. So whenever we weren't having shows, I wanted to keep the space active with like different creative things because like it all kind of is under this umbrella of being in the arts world. Mm -hmm. So I wanted people to be able to maybe their first experience of coming into a gallery is because they were invited to this really awesome dinner party. And, you know, outside of being able to sit and dine with people that they don't know, They also are like, oh, I'm actually in a gallery and there's Mm -hmm. pieces on the wall and there's some friendly person here to kind of talk to me about the artwork if, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm interested. And it can be just a little bit more of like a casual, not everybody in like this kind of pompous way that you kind of see or associate with going to a gallery where like the artist mm. comes in and they have sunglasses on and they can't be talked to. And they're, you know, surrounded by like a harem of people. Like I wanted it to be less intimidating. So having mm-hmm. like, you know, dinner party project there, having, um, I had so far sounds, um, mm-hmm. there as yeah, well sure. on a couple of occasions to like, again, just activate the space was, was a huge, um, a huge goal of mine. You did. it. Thank you. Yeah. It was fun. You were always I mean, trust me, you guys always have the most amazing. Um, like, I don't know, just experiences like whenever we had um, you there at the gallery, it was such a great conversation. A lot of it just having to do with like the things that, you know, kind of brought us to where we are and just really opening up the platform for people to have some just like kind of personal and just unintimidating conversations is, is really huge. And it goes so in line with what I feel art is. It's not supposed to be something that's like intimidating. It's supposed mm. to be something that anybody, any race, in. any education mm. level
0: can participate in. Yeah thanks for hosting us of course my goodness um with all the highs that we get to experience in Mm. life there are times that are challenging and difficult Mm. has there ever been a season of life that you kind of felt like you have faced and moved through and like has been like a challenging or frustrating or yeah I mean I feel like
1: I feel like I, I struggle with that a lot um I don't know. I feel like this past year specifically, a lot of people have really been like diving deep into their mental health and like how they are able to kind of like process things Mm. and, you know, having conversations with friends and even like my parents on their mental state and their being, because we cut ourselves off from people. It's not natural. It's not, you know within us to not go without seeing people mm-hmm. or being able to like embrace people. And even if you're an introvert, even if you're an introvert, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I, I am somebody, I am one of those people who's like, I guess an introverted extrovert. I don't know. I'm one of those people who I love to be around people and I get excited and, and have great conversations and mm-hmm. that really like empowers me but when i need to like recharge i need to recharge completely alone right like i want like phone off nobody talking to me i yeah. could like lock myself in a room that's how i like recharge but it's i probably you're probably an introvert
0: yeah because it's really all about it's not even about personality type it's about how we recharge mm. in that way that i'm an introvert. so if you recharge by right, if like being around people brings you lots of energy and brings you to a place of like fullness, or if it's like being by yourself is like, that's where I recharge and that's where I can get my cup filled back up. So I can go back and do all the extroverted stuff. Oh, you're, you're exposing me then I'm an
1: introvert. Look Yeah. At I'm learning. <laughs> I, yeah. I would definitely say like, I'm an introvert, but I found it. I think at the beginning, not as difficult to, you know, not be out, be out and yeah. go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you know, I feel like you always have those feelings of like FOMO. And then whenever you kind of take away
0: <laughs> that like. That's, that wasn't a reality for anybody. Yeah. For, Cause like at
1: least. Nobody, like nobody was able to do anything. So you were kind of like, I can't be missing out on things so if nobody like, is. Doing... I can be at home and have no guilt. <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't have to feel bad that I didn't go to this like event or this person's birthday. Like, uh-huh. right, I, That's fine. Um, but yeah. And then like months of that kind mm-hmm. of started and that's when it kind of like, I feel like impacted more so of like, Okay. I don't want to like be in this position anymore. Mm -hmm. Like the thoughts that you're thinking of, Mm -hmm. like, like just loneliness or aloneness. Mm -hmm. And that kind of like leads into, at least for me, it left, it led into like a lot of self-worth, a lot of not identity crisis, but definitely, um, like imposter syndrome on like trying like because I feel like there was a time during like quarantine that was like a creative bomb went off and people were just like, let's do this and let's do that. And let's Mm. get out there and do all of this. And, you know, for me, like the things that I was like attempting to do or talking about doing, I definitely felt like negative, like perceptions of myself that I was inflicting on Mm. me. And I was just like, why am I, you know, thinking that I don't have like any validity to do this? Like, Mm. you know, one of the things that I was asked to be a part of was this um, art panel where we were talking about um, being black in the art world. And I accepted being a part of it, but I definitely did not feel like I warranted anybody to hear anything that I had to say mm-hmm. in regards to it um and so like the the challenges that I have been dealing with not only due to quarantine but like definitely before that is just this feeling of like I don't deserve like anything of what I have and I don't have a lot so it's one of those things where it's like Okay. Definitely something where Mm -hmm. being able to talk about it more and, you know, talk about therapy and a more like open, like platform has been really helpful for me. Something that me and my mom, of all people, have discussed, which my mom is, you know, very kind of conservative, straightforward. Her therapy is, is, church like i don't think she would really understand Mm -hmm. like talking to anybody else Mm -hmm. but we have been able to have those types of conversations which has been Mm -hmm. really beneficial and helpful Mm -hmm. When i'm feeling like you know like i'm not worthy of any
0: positive or good things sure definitely this past one year has brought us to have to look look at ourselves, mm-hmm. have to face ourselves and have to, I mean, especially in the beginning and, and it's it's been a, a strange uh, journey to where we are now where it's kind of like, okay, now we kind of have to figure things out in a different way, but... If you're home and by yourself and you're just really, you know, like you have to, I think, I think in a way it was a, it was a blessing and, mm. and a hard one to yeah. be able to have to face yourself. That's all you kind of had. And so that mirror is, can get pretty dark and, and also pretty great to be able to, and we're going to talk about some (laughs) many with the Enneagram, but just the the reality is I think of um, having, having either the courage or having no other choice, but then to look at these things, you know, kind of within ourselves and then to be able to look at them honestly and then face them and hopefully move towards like what is health in these areas look like and Mm -hmm. how do I move towards them To be able to be a best version of ourselves you know and and the reality is that it takes you know through therapy and through the work the internal work that we do it does take moving through the pain Mm. and there's no other way but then through it which sucks Mm -hmm. but then that's where you find the beauty and the joy and the healing, um, you know, as you, as we move through those things. Oh, absolutely. So I feel like you're not alone in that (laughs) (laughs) last year was definitely a tough one. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and as we have put 2020 behind us, mm-hmm. and we're still, thank goodness, kind of in it in 2021. Yeah, which has it brought its own sort of challenges. Um, but where, like, I would love for you to be able to just share with us kind of like your current role and what you're doing and then, and then other current roles that you are moving towards and like what you're passionate about right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Thank goodness. 2020 is, is gone. Like behind us. goodness gracious, (laughs) knock her out of the way. Um, yeah, right now, definitely seeing like, you know, obviously the light at the end of the tunnel with us being able to kind of safely kind of interact with one another again. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I have, you know, after I separated from, from the gallery, I kind of found myself in like a, okay, what are my next steps? Um, Had that conversation with multiple people as to like what that next step looks like for me. And I was very hesitant to really like, not necessarily like talk about it, but really to really sit down and like strategically think about what I wanted to do next. Mm -hmm. Um, it was always just like, whatever next step I make, Mm -hmm. I just want to completely do it uninhibited, completely just at the core, what makes me happy um, about this, you know, career that I've chosen to work in. And so far for me, that's been doing independent projects. So being able to work with artists that I know um, to kind of just, share their stories and to be able to represent them in the best and the strongest like light that they can possibly be in Mm. help to reinforce like their voice and to make sure that it is something that you know does not get manipulated or something that can't be misinterpreted has been my main goal for 2021 i am you know working with, um, my business partner to kind of develop a platform for artists of color to have more equity within the fine arts world. Mm -hmm. Um, and to just really uplift and empower their creative process, um, empower their work being seen and empower just like Mm -hmm. their sense of self Mm -hmm. and making sure that their stories get told as authentically and as directly as possible and not as like a gimmick to um kind of bring people in just to the idea that you know you're looking at black art because right now black art is kind of like i guess like a high point uh, a topic of conversation that's happening within the art world inclusivity and diversity is a huge conversation that's being held in the art world and a lot of that has to do with you know what happened last year and some of the you know, resurgence of like racial tensions within the United States that kind of got brought up to to the the surface. Yeah, exactly. So for me, moving forward, what is um, exciting me is this case study that I'm actually putting together. Um, It's going to be in the form of a show. I hope to um, kind of present it, unveil it here in Orlando in fall of this year it's still kind of in its infancy stages right now just kind of putting together Mm -hmm. um what the overall like scope of this case study looks like um but it's going to be one that again, is going to be aligned with where I'm looking to go with my career, which is just highlighting and promoting um, the importance and the longevity of Black art Mm -hmm. and making it not something that is seen as like something separate. It is very much, um, yes, Black art, but it's very much American art. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, having to currently distinguish ourselves as something is other like black art is in its own little category mm-hmm. is something that I hope will, you know, decades down the line, not be a thing mm-hmm. where you are able to really look at America and just be like, yeah, America was inhabited before, you know, it was colonized and there were people who were here who have, the right to call this place their home they shouldn't have to be separated or segmented into this is native american art this is black art this is latin art it should be something that is just all collectively one thing and that just makes up american art as like a as a whole Mm -hmm. Um, i think that hopefully is where the art world is moving and i hope to be a contributor to making sure that it actually does make it to that
0: yeah. That's me. yeah. <laughs> Does it have a like a name or a? Um, it it has a placeholder.
1: Like placeholder. It just has a placeholder right okay. now. Um, I know that like the topics that we are going to, or I guess I should say, like the theme of it is going to be around the black female. Mm. Um. But other than that, like a show title hasn't really been like landed upon yet, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be um, a very interesting case study on that subject, on that theme. And I'm doing it primarily out of curiosity, to be honest, like Mm -hmm. this entire um, show is going to be one purely based off of my curiosity, but it is a subject that I think a lot of people will be intrigued about Mm -hmm. in the way that we are approaching it. And the way that it's going to be presented is going to be, um, unique. Mm -hmm. So I think that a lot of people will kind of enjoy their experience. I think it's going to bring up, um, some great dialogue, a lot of thought, provoking um mm. like hopefully contributors um and it's going to be open up to like a nationwide um kind of call to artists okay. so I really, once it kind of has its, its legs, I really want, mm-hmm. you know, Orlando artists to be able to contribute. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also want artists from, you know, all different walks. I definitely mm-hmm. want different perspectives from different gender classifications mm-hmm. to different races. Um, it, it's all going to be a part of this study. Because it all kind of lends to.
0: So, speaking of local, Mm -hmm. you have done also some work with a downtown arts district. Downtown district. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Can you? Um, The main things that I've done with them, um, I was a part of a female curator series that they did. I want to say it was in 2019, um, where myself, along with. a local, you know, badass curator, Flynn Dobbs, who a lot of people are familiar with. Um, Gisela, who is the curator at Rollins um, Museum, like just a fantastic, fantastic women um, where we were asked by the executive director of City Arts to kind of put together um these shows that happened every month and it was talking about um, whatever, whatever subject that we really wanted to Mm -hmm. kind of communicate and share with the community. Mm -hmm. And it was fantastic because not only is it, rare to see a lot of black people within the arts world, but you know, females as well. Like there's definitely a lot more females within the arts industry, but it's still kind of male dominated. Mm -hmm. So it was really important to have these types of shows and it was fantastic. Um, I did the panel for, um, being black in the art world with them. And then just recently um, mm-hmm. curated a show with them with a fantastic artist. His name is Chris Santos. Um, he is currently here in Orlando, but will be unfortunately leaving us soon for Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, but his work was is fantastic. It's still currently up. Um, as of today, it's still currently up in City Arts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one was really... Special to me because Chris is an artist that I was really impressed with uh, when I first met him back in 2019. Um, He is just so grounded in who he is as both a Black man, Mm. um, as somebody who loves his culture. He's from Camp Verde, so this show that we have, Hanging It to the Arts, really kind of walks the line between his experiences of his Cape Verdean culture and being a Black man in America. So the works that he has on display Mm. are mixed media, where he has paintings, he has sculptures, he has an installation wall where he basically there's some type of database where he was able to go in and pull up every man woman and child um who was murdered by the police last year and he put their names up Mm -hmm. and um had an outline of a gun basically made out of a noose it's a very it's a very strong dynamic piece um but it is a piece that he mm-hmm. was extremely extremely adamant that it be in the show right um just because in looking at this wall in looking at all the names i felt terrible that the only people that i could pick out were Breonna taylor and george floyd there are sure. so many names on this wall okay. of people who won't have their stories told, which is why mm. it was so important for Chris to have this piece in the show.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so that show is, is fantastic. He was Unbelievably vulnerable, and you know, giving us the opportunity to kind of walk into his experiences, his upbringing, and mm-hmm. putting it all on display. So I am forever grateful um, to any artist that I work with, really, yeah. because it is it is really something. And again, artists are just fantastic. The ability to create. And then expose your like ideas, your thought, your identity, and open it up to people to openly critique is something that is just...
0: I mean, uh, can my you, bl- worst nightmare. Right?
1: like, I'm just like the courage that it takes you to be able to just like put this up there and have yeah. people who are probably who maybe don't know what you look like and could say some really negative things about it. Hmm. And you have to kind of just like know that that comes with the territory. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely grateful to the downtown arts district for, you know, allowing these opportunities yeah. to happen.
0: Um. thank you for sharing all that oh gosh, it was uh, yeah. beautiful and I just thank you for kind of your presence within Orlando and like all the things I've known you over almost three years now and um, how you have positioned yourself in different you know uh, aspects of our community to be able to bring voices that may not be as often readily available to be heard to the forefront to be able to you know, like as you're talking about like quality and diversity and just like what is America and like just we need people of all different um, backgrounds to be able to um, give us the full picture of America within fine art. And that can be a very scary place to access. But I think your approach to it is so beautiful to be able to say this is accessible. We need people to like see these things and have that impact you and here's why it's important here's why here's the stories and here's the reality especially in the fine art world where maybe people that have access to that kind of maybe have a single note of fine art or they maybe maybe not as clued into um the stories behind the art and why it was produced and why it is necessary to hang it on our walls and to appreciate (laughs) every diverse culture and background. Mm -hmm. So thank you for being a part of that story here in Orlando. So, yeah. So we're going to jump into our our next topic, which is one of my absolute favorite ones. (laughs) Um, And we won't spend too, too much time here, but, um, The Enneagram for me has been something that has been a powerful kind of tool and and a roadmap in a sense of personality wise, kind of like as we, I believe that we're kind of like dropped into this universe and we don't get to choose where we land. We don't get to choose. I don't think we choose in in that way. And in the same way, we don't choose our DNA and the ways that we're built, you know, and just created intrinsically. And so I think that has just such a huge impact paired with our life experiences and our family of origin. And then there, then we're trying to figure it out like everyone else. Right. And the reality is that we are not created the same. We have, we have such different intricacies and the Enneagram is not really a box of nine types but is kind of i feel like a starting place of like understanding that we are created very differently um and within that having the space to learn more about yourself and just the ways that we are built um and that allows me to have more language and capacity to have grace for myself and to learn more about myself and how I show up in the world like we were talking about, and then for other people, like how they're mm-hmm. built could be v- vastly different oh, yeah. than how I'm built, how you're built <laughs> and have more compassion and grace because like understanding their framework to me has given me when i when I see that. Um, kind of where they're coming from mm. and I have to kind of recognize that I'm coming from maybe a very different place mm-hmm. and so I have to be able to say you know like um, okay I understand a little bit better I understand you a little bit better and that helps me to like know you better and to love better you know for myself give myself and for other people to love people that's hopefully the end goal with the Enneagram. Um, so as we were, we've kind of chatted about it recently. I know it's something that's not um, as much in your knowledge, uh, but maybe <laughs> you'll uh, dig into it a little bit more. But reading through the nine descriptions, you kind of felt possibly the one that you would identify most with was?
1: Number nine. No, the number nine. It was the uh, the
0: Peacemaker. The Peacemaker. Yeah, right. I so, feel that like helps me right. Like as, as you navigate your world and your family, you're kind of like always on the lookout of keeping an even keel with everybody. You know, I'm sure running a gallery is you're dealing with so many different people and personalities mm-hmm. and having to make it work. Like it is your job to make it work. And so uh, as that, and you you're just kind of, that's probably in the forefront of your mind. It is. And I like one of the descriptors of
1: the peacemaker, which I, I, I definitely, you know, everything that it described was like, oh, this is me. Um, that's why like, it was, I saw attributes of myself in some of the different ones that were featured there. But like number nine was like every single word that they used Mm -hmm. was me. Mm -hmm. One of the first one was easygoing. Okay. And that is me to a T like I can like completely take ownership of that. I'm a very easygoing person for people who know me. I feel like whenever somebody is easygoing, I think a lot of people interpret it as somebody who doesn't care. Mm. And I think like that's a very that's a very misinterpretation of it because even though I'm very easygoing kind of go with the flow, right. That may come off as like aloofness, but I am extremely like, you know, engaged, passionate about what I do, but that's just the way that it it kind of presents itself in me is just like more of an easygoing Mm -hmm. type thing, which I can understand. Like you said, you can see different perspectives of like the people that you surround yourself with and how kind of understanding what your easygoingness must read like to them Mm -hmm. is something that I have been like being more cognitive of like in just my my uh my circle Mm -hmm. of once you understand who you are seeing how other people interpret that. I think I'm even like a lot of that was definitely discovered during quarantine where it's just like, Oh, being able to have those types of conversations of like, you know, this is what I am. This is who I, this is how I, you know, show up in the world, show up in the world. Right. And just because this is how I show up in the world, I don't want you to confuse that. Like it means that I don't care about the conversation that we're having, or I haven't really got given like, you know, enough thought or feedback into like your feelings. So that is that. um, Yes. I have never heard. You taught me so many, there's so many new experiences. (laughs) And this this, like hour that we've been together. Um, So, but yeah, that was, that was definitely something that you know, I am continuously working on, like as a peacemaker, as somebody Mm -hmm. who likes to just like, you know, ease tensions and these situations, not because I want to like stifle them to move on to the next. But like for me, I process things very quickly. Mm -hmm. So like my, um, like being able to like receive it. Process it, let it go, or perceive it. Process it, move forward. Um, is is not the way that a lot of people mm. operate. Mm-hmm. So it it probably looks like a very kind of like this person doesn't <laughs> doesn't care is what I'm probably like seen as from from the outside going in. I feel like, but not right. the case. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I can't wait for you to dig more into the Enneagram. Oh, I'm and ready will, for it. I'll send you um some info because I could talk about it all day. I'm ready to
1: see <laughs> what we all look like. I mean, isn't that what you want? You want self-reflection <laughs> as yes. much as possible.
0: Yeah. I think for me it was also powerful to have the language to say wow, somebody gets it or they like, do they write this about me? Do is they this know how you me? like, is this how you like, um,
1: describe yourself now? Like moving forward, like these like key points of where you fell.
0: I mean, if somebody knows the Enneagram, then I can, I can chat about it with mm-hmm. them and then they'll kind of know the framework that I'm talking about for myself. Um, but Yeah, I tried not to obviously I don't try to like force it on anybody that doesn't have any interest in it, but it's highly interesting to me. No, I think it's. I think everybody would love to know, like just
1: like you like you did with me, like read through this list and find like the one that best identifies with who you feel you are. Mm -hmm. I feel like everybody needs that. Yeah. Like people need self-reflection. Like whatever, like you need that to some degree. Like you don't need to, you know, dive too deep because.
0: I mean, (laughs) I think we all need self-awareness. I think that's a huge thing. Because I think that I've learned some things about maybe how I show up in the world. Mm. And so that was an eye opener to me in a sense, like not everyone processes things like I do. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so I need to be aware that I might come off and I need to be aware of how people might perceive me as well and so would you if change? I, if I want to honor them um somewhat like if I yeah. want to honor people and I if I want to um have the best possible outcome in a sense like I don't know precisely what that ratio is of me changing myself or me like putting myself not in a box or like Less than, but I think that there is awareness to say, you know, maybe I'm, I might be overwhelming for some people. So maybe if I know where they're coming from, like, if I want to meet them in a good place, maybe that I can know how to meet them in a good place for myself. And so, so good. It gives me that perspective. That is so good. Why? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I literally. Why didn't. Why didn't we? You probably. We probably did have this. I was going to say, why didn't we have this when we were like in our twenties or something? And
0: it probably has been, been around, around <laughs> for hundreds of years. Yes, it's been around. It's forever. been around forever, <laughs> but it has come into popularity. I will say, in the past, probably ten years, I've known it for four years or so but um yeah i think it's just like such a a powerful self-awareness tool mm. that it can help us to to love each other better mm. in that way so speaking of loving ourselves mm. um our last topic is my probably my most favorite topic right. but is rest Ooh. And so, how do we step back from the world and mm-hmm. recharge, and regroup, and renew, and, and restore, and play, and discover, and not just it, you know, rest doesn't have to encapsulate just physical rest, but like what does rest and and um, restorative time like what is what practices have you adopted to kind of rest in your life? So rest.
1: I love it. I love it so, so much. Um, I am like a very bad millennial who doesn't is not as attached to my phone as like mm. some people will. So mm-hmm. like I am it's great quality, man. I, I don't know how that happened because uh-huh. like uh, when I'm on, I'm on, when I'm off, I'm off, but I am, I'm definitely able to like put my phone on like D and D and not really care if anybody can communicate with me. For like a solid day, which I find to be like so peaceful to kind Mm -hmm. of just like rest from having to care or worry about like what's happening Mm -hmm. and just like really hone in on myself. For me, a lot of it is like music. Music just kind of like sets me in the right headspace to really like just rest my mind and not have to think about, you know, work or really anything. Um, And then like, truthfully for me, like I, when we can travel again, Mm -hmm. safely, internationally, Mm -hmm. that always just it's always the best. It really is. I've never had like any kind of negative experience at all when it comes to traveling. It's just something that my entire body, I feel like, like cool. loses tension. Mm-hmm. I feel like you really are just able to and especially in countries that I don't even speak the language. Like I am not a language expert at all. I don't know how to sure. speak any other language. I can read a little bit of uh, Spanish, but other than that I I'm, no. but I love going to countries where I don't know the language for mm. some like for me, it almost gives you like Probably the reverse that would probably cause anxiety in somebody not knowing how to speak the language actually works the opposite Mm -hmm. where I feel like I can really be like, just in the moment, really restful, not really having to like really be bothered to know anything just use my like intuition to get me to A and B. Mm. so yeah like rest for me is so unbelievably necessary like even if it's just like being outside is where i get a lot of Mm -hmm. just like restful positive energy Mm -hmm. getting some of that great vitamin d
0: (laughs) just like i'm a huge advocate for vitamin d oh man yeah that's why i live
1: in florida it's it's perfect it's like it really is like there's nothing like just clearing your mind you know. Whether that be natural or medicinal, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, like being out and and really, like I I feel like you rest your brain, you give it an opportunity to like reset itself almost, even mm-hmm. if it's just like for a few moments. So, yeah. Like a lot of self-care, self-love has been like, you know, um, big topics, of, of course, like during quarantine. So like sure. journaling has been really great for me. Just like it used to be really intimidating because I would hear like how beneficial like journaling was for people. And I was just like, well, I don't know what to to write and into what to like scribble down. Mm-hmm. And then I one, I started like seeing some prompts that like there are actually prompts out there that can kind of help guide you, um, versus just like aimlessly just like scribbling things out. But sometimes that's, that's what really what do you do? Yeah. Just like aimlessly scribble things out yeah. to like just get it down and you know revisit those like times. And I mm-hmm. think that's why journaling is so great because you can really go back and just be like, oh. What? what what
0: yeah okay <laughs> so if you had one day 24 hours Sorsha's dream world mm-hmm. if you had a day of rest it could be mm-hmm. here it could be ending the world mm-hmm. money is of no issue mm-hmm. like if you had one day what would like your dream day of rest look like oh okay
1: so it would definitely be um Bora Bora is oh. just Un-
0: You've been there, I take it.
1: Unbelievably beautiful. No. I've oh, never you know. Okay. I've only seen photos.
0: I've never been there either.
1: and I've, I've never, I've only seen photos and literally the photos have like called to me. <laughs> like okay. This is where you need to be. Right. Um, But they have these almost like in water, like little bungalows that you can go to. So you know, my, my dream perfect day would be surrounded by water. I would be able to just like wake up with, you know, the sounds of the water, the sounds of the air, nature, um, and literally just have nothing planned to do Mm -hmm. and just kind of like, just walk, walk around wherever I am, just kind of like experiencing the, the land, experiencing the culture mm-hmm. um, and really just not really having like a clear set plan for the day. And, you know, hopefully that would be surrounded with like amazing food and mm-hmm. music and, you know it's kind of one of those like perfect days where it's like if a person was there, that would be completely fine. But if a person wasn't there, I'd also would be (laughs) completely fine. So, um, so yeah, probably like my introvert type qualities coming out. Like I don't think I need anybody with me at all. Like I think just like being able to get up and move at the pace of whatever that day calls
0: for. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm that be it. So good. So good. As we wrap up, are there any, is, is there an any like MO or like mantra that you try to live by or a piece of advice that you could leave with us?
1: Mm. You know, the only thing that I would say is... And, and and I don't know if this is like a mantra of somebody, but um, just be kind to yourself. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we as individuals are going to be hardest on ourselves whenever, you know, we wake up some days and we just don't feel like working or, you know, we spend the day watching Netflix or, you know, we just are so and especially, you know, myself I can be so kind and forgiving of other people but I feel like whenever it comes to myself I wish I had that same type of compassion compassion yeah and so you know for everything that you do and trust me you'll make I have made so many mistakes that it, so many mistakes it's it's ridiculous um and i feel like i will continue to make more and more mistakes and at the end of the day just be kind to yourself like you really really just if that could be the only thing that you know people hear and take try and put to practice that
0: that's a good one such a good reminder (laughs) Where would we find you online, Ooh. et cetera, like with your projects? Like where would we find, where do we find you?
1: So um, a website is going to come soon. Okay, So um, that's going to be probably the clearest path that you can get to me. Um, you know, I do have, you know, social media, which you a hundred percent. It's just my first and middle name. It's Sorcia Minette. And you can find me there if you want. Um, again, I will tell you it is a private account. I do accept people, Uh but I am one of those people who like does not look at their notification for weeks. So if like you're sitting there, like I friend requested you, like, why haven't you accepted it? It's literally because I am that person who Mm -hmm. like gets on Instagram, scrolls for two minutes and then like starts conversations with people in their DMS and then forget. So, um, it is, is not a bad thing, but I will eventually accept that request. Um, but yeah, a website's coming soon. More on this case study that I'm talking about is okay. coming in the fall. Um, and then you never know. Like, I have been you know, introduced to and have a lot of things in the works with some amazing creatives here in the Orlando community. Mm-hmm. Um, so you will see like little different spurts and pop ups, like from here to there. Um, We'll try and, you know, promote them through as best we can mm-hmm. and let everybody know. So you guys can come out because, yeah, the arts in Orlando, they're fantastic. They are nothing but growing more strength. Um more people who are taking like independent measures to kind of get their Mm -hmm. artwork out there, get their artwork Mm -hmm. seen. Um, So I think like a lot of people who are kind of following the creative, the art realm are going to be really excited about what's happening in 2021 because from all the conversations I've been involved with, um, people are ready to kind of shake things up. The art world needs shaking up. And so, we're going to, we're going to see that happen.
0: Beautiful. Thank you for doing some day drinking with me. Oh my gosh. Thank my favorite you. pastime. You kidding me? <laughs> all right. Until next time. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Yes. Thank you a million times over for listening to cocktails and conversation podcast. I hope you have enjoyed all of it. If you have, would you do me a huge favor and rate, comment, and subscribe for more cocktails and conversation.